the ability to heal ourselves from all illnesses, physical, mental, or emotional. It's possible. And the next guest on Healing From Within, R.J. Spina, is here to talk to us on how to do it. He talks about it in his new book, Supercharged Self-Healing, a revolutionary guide to access high-frequency states of consciousness that rejuvenate and repair. Next on Healing From Within. Hi, I'm Tony Valen. Welcome. within rj welcome to the show thank you very much for having me tony it's my pleasure thank you so we're going to be talking about your book uh, supercharged self-healing a revolutionary guide to access high frequency states of consciousness that rejuvenate and repair um so i guess i'm gonna start with the first question i always ask my guests uh what are your gifts and how did your journey begin well, Tony, the, they, the journey probably began in terms of uh, as a little kid. Uh, as a little kid, I used to just, what we call astral projection, I used to just leave my body. It was totally normal. It wasn't, uh, clearly I wasn't uh, trained in this way and I wasn't taught anything. It was a natural thing that would occur anytime I would just relax. I'd be out of my body. So I knew as a little kid uh, that I was spirit or consciousness uh, so i never had to wrestle uh with that with that dilemma about you know what are we does you know is the soul real so i knew that as a little kid and um i used to even say as a little kid to my mom and to my friends that if i ever get sick i'll just heal myself and which is a weird thing to say and then uh it was uh, quite a bit of foreshadowing because roughly 45 years later i really needed to know how to do that again right Wow. And uh, so how what you were raised in, were you raised with religion or, or, or with, you know, how, how was your family taking this? In other, in other words, what, the way you were talking? Well, it was bizarre, obviously, for uh, one, for me to relay these stories about being out of my body all the time. And then also saying things like, I, if I ever get sick, I'll just heal myself. I was raised, I went to Catholic school until uh, sixth grade received my confirmation and then uh, that was the end of Catholic school I think for the I think for the most part my parents just couldn't really make sense of some of the stuff I would say mm -hmm. um, but as I became an adult I think it made a lot more sense in terms of how I lived my life <laughs> right so out of all the people in this planet you know on this planet past present or future, what do you think made you so different and special that you were able to do this and you knew it? I, I think it's just um, a remembering. Uh, and I, I, I think I just came into this, uh, into this incarnation with maybe more of my memory intact. And I think that's really the only difference is that I, I just simply remembered I was spirit, which is why I had no trouble leaving my body. And I remembered how healing works. I think, most people know, for the most part, 
most people know the stuff that I talk about. It just resonates with them because I think they already know it. And it's more of just a, a remembering and the specific mechanics that are in the book about self-healing and what I did to un, unparalyze myself and, and resolve uh, chronic illness. Uh, it, it's the same thing for everybody. They just simply have to remember that they have the same ability. And now that they have the book, now they have the teachings and protocols for them to do it themselves. Right. So uh, as far as, you know, just the average person, I know I, I have a lot of people I've spoken to that talk about healing and they preach it and they say, you know, do this and do that. But when it comes to tragic, their own health or someone in their family getting sick, it turns out that the faith goes away. I mean, do you think it's a matter of ego or, or, or what stops us from actually learning to do this ourselves or remembering? Yeah, Tony, you got it. So it's the identification with what it is that we are perceiving. So identification is part of what I call the ego mind identity, hence identification. So I call it the EMI. And so when we identify with the body and what's going on with the body, just like you said, Tony, all trust and faith and inner knowing this goes out the window because we're identifying with the experience instead of realizing the truth, which is that we are the awareness of this experience. And when we maintain that level of detachment or non-identification, that gives us the ability to unlock all of our, our wisdom, our talents, our abilities to, to actually make changes. But once you identify with what's going on and you think it's actually you, you have no room to operate. There's nothing because you think it's you. And so therefore, self-healing goes out the window. Yeah. Do you think it's an influence uh, or what influences us, you know, as far as politics, religion and corporations and everything that we go through every day, it, that stops us from actually being able to have that faith? A a absolutely. I mean, we, all of us suffer from a, a, a deeply conditioned subconscious mind. Without a doubt, we're told what to believe, we're told who to trust, we're told how to operate, we're told what is possible, we're told the avenues in which that we can operate. We are living a limitation program. And that's because we're simply saying yes and believing everything, everything that we're told to believe in. It's when you disengage from that, almost like watching a boring movie. When you watch a boring movie, you don't get caught up in it and it doesn't affect you. So if we start to watch things in this sort of disengaged or non-attached uh, non manner, the effect will be far, far less and we'll still feel our own sovereignty. And within our own sovereignty, we're gonna realize that we're capable of much more. Right. What do you think uh, shielded you from all that? Because I mean, you're part of this world and you're living this life. This didn't affect you in any way. I mean, how did you protect yourself or, or was something protecting you? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, I go back to, like I said, as a little kid, uh, a lot of life's great questions, I guess you could say, uh, were tangibly answered for me. I mean, I was literally just leaving my body all the time. I was interacting with more advanced beings, angels. I, I mean, this was completely normal for me and still is. So uh, I, I knew tangibly because i was experiencing it myself that there's so much more than what we're told to believe in or what we're told is possible 
And so I didn't really have to wrestle with it in the same way. Now, on top of that, I was given, or I gave myself really, a tremendous health challenge, permanent paralysis, sepsis, all these different diseases. So I gave myself a challenge worthy of my own inner knowingness. I had to really tap into deeply what I knew within my heart, what I knew I was capable of in order to be able to transcend the things that had happened with my body. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, some of my own experiences, I can tell you that uh, I totally understand about you talking about, I don't know, out-of-body experiences as a kid because I used to do that all the time too. But And I went through all this, all these things in my life, but it was not strange. Like you said, it just seemed normal to me. But as I grew up, I started realizing that I was in a different world, so to speak. Uh, and as far as my faith, my I don't know about my health, but my faith has always been one where I truly believe without fail that if I set my mind to do something, I can do it, I can accomplish it, and it will be done. If I can translate that into my health, I think I'd be even happier. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that's exactly how I feel. And I, I think all I've done is I've simply utilized that inner faith, that inner knowingness, and allowed that to open up my higher mind in terms of being able to access and remember the, the mechanics, the protocols and the exercises of how self-healing actually works. I never for one second thought that I wouldn't unparalyze myself. I never for one second thought that I wouldn't completely overcome all these chronic illnesses. The faith was there. And then when you add faith to the tangible knowingness in terms of literally understanding, there's nothing that we can't accomplish when we combine those two things. Yeah, because I was going to say, it's when the faith turns into knowing that it just solidifies what you're trying to do. Um, in your book, you have uh, you talk about seven steps to access the healing uh, that you experience. Can you please tell us about those seven steps? Sure, yeah. The For me, the uh, I don't like to, maybe I shouldn't quantify it by saying the most important, but... Uh, what I talk about in the beginning of the book, Tony, I think really sets the tone is because in the beginning, I talk about what the ego mind identity is. Now, that is essentially a false paradigm. It's, it's a character that we think we are that we're not. Essentially, it's just all our conditioning, all our beliefs, all our experiences, all the thoughts, all add up into one character. And then we believe we're that, we're that person. Now, the, the fundamental uh, building block of the ego mind identity is identification with the body. And so, as we alluded to before, in the beginning, I knew as a kid that I'm not the body because I would leave it constantly. I knew I was spirit. I knew I was consciousness. So it was that separation, that tangible knowingness, that detachment from my body has allowed me to deconstruct what gets formed from that as the foundation, which is the ego mind, uh, ego mind identity. Once that block, that limitation is removed, your higher mind automatically and your inner knowingness automatically starts to unfold. And it was in that unfolding, it was a remember. And in that remembering were these seven things that I just did over and over and over again. And those seven things became the, became the steps of the Ascend of Frequencies Healing Technique. Mm. Right. Um, you talk about our souls having two parts. Uh, can you tell, uh, you know, the viewers about that, uh, what you refer to the two parts of the soul? 
Yeah, th I, I, this is another, uh, I, I feel that is a paradigm shift. So, Tony, most of us have called, you know, what's inside the spirit or the soul. Okay. And, and, and that's true. But what I've discovered is that it's not entirely accurate that the soul is just like you said, it's two very distinct parts. And this is essential in terms of self-healing and self-realization to understand that there's two parts that make up, make up what we really are. Now, from my direct understanding, what we really and truly are is a divine intelligence. I use the word sentience. Sentience is really our level, our amount of love and wisdom. And the subsets beneath that would be talents and abilities. That is what we actually are. We are this divine intelligence. Now, the second component that makes up the soul is that we are given a complement or an allotment of energy. Now, that energy is what we use to create, to create thoughts, to create emotions, to create experiences. So we are that immortal creator, this divine intelligence, that's given energy in order to work with. To, to, to be able to create. Now, why this is so important is because this helps us with not identifying with what we create. Because most of us have thoughts and we think we're the thoughts, or we have emotions, we think we're the emotions, or we create experiences for ourselves and then we identify with the experiences. This makes self-healing and self-realization impossible because it's simply not true. And the, the easy way to look at it is just simply imagine the idea of the painter is not the painting. We are using energy to create thoughts, emotions, actions, behaviors, and experiences. But we are not what we are creating. We come before that. And when we work with what we really are, that divine intelligence, it allows us to use that energy that we have been using to think, emote, animate our body and create experiences, we can now use that energy purposefully to actually self-heal. Instead of wasting the energy in thinking and emoting and doing, we can use that energy, that very same energy, by following the exercises and the protocols in the book to actually heal ourselves. Gotcha. Because even though we're not those <clears throat> thoughts and feelings, we create them and then we are... I guess, I don't know how to say it, we're affected by them, right? So this oh. is how we have to change everything. Yeah, yeah, it's the identification with what we're creating. So we have a thought, and then we identify with the thought. We have an emotion, we identify. With, so we're creating a bigger and bigger and bigger false narrative about who we are. That, that makes working with ourselves in a holistic profound way impossible because every time we think and every time we emote and we believe that that's us we're creating a bigger and bigger character that isn't really us right does that also um affect us when other people put judgments on us and uh create i mean they see us a certain way and you know half the time we're sitting in the audience watching our own show so we're criticizing mm -hmm. ourselves but at the same time, I mean, we we get judged and, uh, you know, pushed to being something we're not. 
Um, I, I know I asked you this question before, but I'm going to ask it again. How, how does someone even begin to start to, to stop that madness? Because if you can't begin to start, you get nowhere. You know what I mean? I, absolutely. Okay. It, it, it all starts in just being able to observe. Okay. People call this being the witness or being the observer, right? We have to stop this reactionary state of identifying with everything. Everything someone says, we take it to heart. Everything someone does, we take it to heart. But that's because our ego mind identity is so out of control. It sees itself in everything. What people say to us, what we see on the news, what dad said, what mom said, except what people at work said, it doesn't matter. We get so <clears throat> affected by everything, Tony, because we're identifying with everything that goes on. So the, the starting process is this detachment or non-attachment to what it is that we can perceive. So the easiest way to remember it is that we are the perception, the awareness of what is going on, not what we are the awareness of. We are the pure awareness. And this is a fact. So as, as we start to do that, this is sort of this witness observer mode, just being present and not identifying with everything. That's really the key because our quality of life is dependent upon our ability to know ourself, our true self, and to be present. It's when we're not present, we're in the mental body and the emotional body, and life is a struggle. But that's because we are constantly identifying with what's going on. We're trying to figure everything out as if we have to figure everything out. We don't. Once you're present, your own innate knowingness, your own intuitive wisdom will guide you. That's all we really need. That's why we have intuition. It's the wisdom of the soul speaking. All we have to do is be still enough and quiet enough to listen. Do you uh, do you meditate or, or what do you think about meditation and people that do yoga and all these other methods of things? Is that part of what you do, too, or no? In, in the beginning, uh, yes, if if a mindfulness practice is new to someone, I cannot encourage meditation and yoga enough. OK, because we have to we have to start somewhere right. um, at a certain point, believe it or not. Uh, we don't need to meditate anymore because we actually make that our new normal state of being. So we've all heard the terms like walking meditation or meditating while doing the dishes or when we exercise, sometimes it feels like meditation. So in other words, there's a way to normalize that state of always being present and just flowing with everything that's happening. So in other words, not thinking. Now, be because I have dedicated my life to these practices, it's kind of like if you have a backyard with grass and you cut across it the same way over and over again, you wear out a, you wear out a path, you wear out the grass. I have meditated so much and dedicated myself to this. I'm in, I'm automatically connected to my higher mind and I don't really have to do anything for it. So in that sense, I don't meditate anymore because I'm perpetually meditating. But in the, but in the beginning, Absolutely. It's super important, even if it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And one of the easiest way to meditate, because I get asked this question all the time, Tony, RJ, I can't meditate. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. My mind just starts to take over. Okay. So Tony, anyone can do this. Okay. So all you have to do 
is pretend that you're the eyes that are in your head, your two physical eyes, right? Just pretend that they are floating with no brain attached. You can't think. So we have turned this completely upside down in one second. Okay. The truth is that powerful. So we went from RJ, I can't meditate. It's so hard to meditate. It's so hard, so hard to meditation in one second without any effort. So that is a, that's a place for everyone to start. If you want to start to develop a mindfulness practice and start to feel better, more calm, more present, develop self-confidence, develop self-discipline, even develop your own higher intuitive functions like clairsentience, clairvoyance, claircognizance. It all starts with your ability to quiet down the thinking mind. It all starts from that. So does healing. So does self-realization. So the easiest way to do that is just pretend that your two eyes that are inside your head are not connected to your brain. Two eyes floating with no brain attached. Very interesting, yeah. Instant it, meditation. For me, it, it, it took me three years to really say that I, I could meditate because I'd always fall asleep or I'd, I'd sit for a couple of minutes. I get so bored with it that, uh, of course, then they talk about the monkey mind, but that's even beyond that. I mean, I'd get up and start doing something or I thought I could work on something on the side while I try to meditate. It took me three years. Uh, for you, I mean, I can imagine you were able to get into this immediately, you think? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I just, in, in this in this lifetime, this incarnation, <clears throat> excuse me, as I said, I, I came into this world completely detached from my body, which is why I used to be able to leave it. Um, I, I came into this incarnation with the remembering that if I ever get sick, I'll just heal myself. These, these things that I teach and that I talk about, they, they are simply a memory set. I am simply remembering myself. I am remembering the truth. I am remembering how things actually work. And so I like to say that what we really are, the sentience, the self, the self is meditation because we exist before we think. We already exist before we have an emotion and we already existed before we got this body. So meditation is simply returning to what we really are, which is beingness that is aware, which has nothing to do with thinking. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and as I'm having this conversation with you, uh, I was thinking to myself, well, how was I so connected and so able to, I mean, because I could see dead people and talk to them just like I'm talking to you now. And for me, it was totally normal. And I didn't know the difference between this world and the other. But I, I'm thinking to myself that as a child and what I gain by meditating and whatever, in a, in a way, it's, it's just being blissful that no matter what happens in life, and this is the way I have become now, things can happen in my life and, and I just take it in and, and, and I, I, I mean, it's like I care, but I don't care. I just simply observe and, and I don't assign judgment to it. I don't make it good or bad. I just think to myself, this is, came into my life for a reason. I have something to learn. So um, I think that that's pretty much what, uh, when you talk about remembering, you remember 
I guess, from a past life, do you think? Or, or... Well, I, I would say it's not a single past life, the remembering. Things like, you know, from my direct understanding, things like, believe it or not, real enlightenment and real self-healing, it is, it's, it's actually a memory. Because many of us have had incarnations where we have been self-realized, we have been enlightened. And, and so for me, it, this was literally a remembering. I've quote unquote done this before, you know, leaving my body, knowing how to self-heal. The only difference between what's going on for me and where maybe many people are at, as I just remember, that's all. It's, it's within you, it's within your neighbor. It's, everyone inside is built the exact same way. The key is to give that an opportunity to come out, to give that an opportunity for you to experience it. And the way to do it is to, is to calm the monkey mind down so you can start to directly experience yourself. That's where all this knowingness and all this wisdom is. The mind, the reason why the mind constantly wants more and more and more information is because it doesn't know anything. So it is ravenous for information. What does know is the, is the real you, yourself, your sentience. So calm the mind, and that inner knowingness will start to flower right up to your mind. Well, you know, um, let me ask you something that, because I know that everything happened to you, happened to you prior to all the crazy that happened with the coronavirus and stuff. How did how did you deal with that or how did you protect yourself or did someone try to come to you and get some type of answer for healing themselves from this horrible virus that we just went, you know, actually still going through? So how I see really or operate, maybe we use a better way to say mm -hmm. is pathogens, sickness, disease, virus, bacteria, etc. Tony, these are all low frequency things. Okay, they're all of the physical. Now, if we operate more in terms of it being in being congruent with what we really are, we are spirit, we are consciousness. We're not physical at all. We're having a physical experience by temporarily merging with this suit that we call a human being. But what we are is a consciousness, it's spirit. So when we operate authentically, more of like how we are, you are instantaneously enhancing your immune system because you don't identify with what's happening here. It's kind of like as a visual. If we have a glass of water and we have we put some oil on the top of it, olive oil, any kind of oil, right? Mm -hmm. That oil sits on top of the water. It never actually sinks in, even though it's in the exact same environment. So the oil is unaffected by what's going on with the water or what's in the water. So when we operate in a high frequency way, when we operate knowing this, that we are pure spirit, we don't identify with what's going on. We don't make a big deal, just like you were talking about that, what you do. That is the best way to stay immune to the things that are going on here. The, the, the most deadliest contagion is fear because that drops your immune system precipitously. So if we operate in a fear-based way, you are literally making yourself far more susceptible to any kind of virus or bacteria. Yeah, for sure. That, yeah, I believe that. Um, you know, and you have mentioned something, a little story about the octopus. 
Uh, can you tell us what you talk about when you say the octopus? Because I, yeah. I want people to know. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's a silly analogy, but I like silly analogies. And sometimes they're, they're helpful, especially when we're, when we're, you know, working with things or accessing things that are outside of the, the five senses. We just need an analogy to, so the mind can understand. So yeah. the, the octopus analogy, Tony, is that what we are as a, as a soul or an aspect, okay, is really it's a projection or a small piece of a much larger being that's been talked about for years called the higher self, okay, or the oversoul or the Godhead or our totality. They're all, they're all the same thing, okay? So the analogy is the octopus, right? So imagine the octopus, it just drops down one of its tentacles to see what the water is like a little bit beneath where it's at. So we are the tentacle, we are an aspect, we are a projection of the much larger being, the octopus, the higher self. And so self-realization or enlightenment is actually the direct connectivity to this much larger being in terms of what we really are. We're just a tiny piece of it, about two and a half percent, by the way. Mm. We're a small, just like the tentacle is just a piece of the octopus, you and I are just a piece of this higher self. And it's when we get rid of our ego mind that gives us access right back to where we come from. And in that access of where we come from, boundless amounts of knowledge, wisdom, and information that is what we all desperately need in order to navigate uh, a human incarnation. Right. Wow. What do you think is the most important thing we could get out of living life and through all the experiences that we can uh, benefit from while we're here instead of going, you know, to use it in the next life? I, joy. The, 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 the natural order of things is playfulness. That, that is the natural order of things. It's, it is joy. It is happiness. And we've lost that. We all remember that as a child. All of us remember that as a child. So we all come into this life like that. Right. Now, what happens is we lose connection with our, with our innocence, with our, our innocence, with our true self. And that's through societal conditioning, pressuring, what mom said, what dad said, because they've been conditioned as well the news, the media, you know, on and on and on and on. Education, same thing, right? It's to return to playful nature, this joyous nature. And one way to reconnect with that, go to a park, go somewhere where animals are playing, where dogs are running around with wild abandon. Look at the absolute joy, the total freedom that they exhibit as they play without a care in the world. That kind of joy is really we really are. That kind of joy to me is what is 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 what makes life itself so precious is the ability to feel that kind of joy, that kind of love, that kind of happiness. And the more that we get we get back to that, and the less that we pay attention to the rational, frightened little ego mind, the better we're all gonna feel. Yeah. That, that's uh, what I talk about whenever, you know, um, like you just said, you see uh, our pets, dogs, cats, um, children, that sense of blissfulness and happiness. And, you know, a, a lot of times I've noticed that people 
because I, I like to people watch also and a lot of people that are busy and miserable or you know stressed it's not until something tragic happens in their life that they come to a complete stop and they're at that blissful point in their life and, and a realization comes over them and and those people I go up to and I say just to let you know I said not not saying anything bad to you but remember this because this is what will bring you happiness and this is will bring you to center and you'll live a, a happier life and, and that's what it's all about. You know, a lot of us work so hard to looking for money and for material stuff because we think we're going to find that bliss when we get all that money and all that other stuff when the reality is is we already have that. We just need to find it. I mean, find remember, like you just said, remember from within ourselves and yeah, and I and I don't. I'm not. I'm gonna say this, but I don't mean it to sound in a mean way. But I actually think I have more compassion for animals than I do for people because people are just so disconnected, and and they think that the things they do won't come around to affect them. Uh, they just do what they think is going to be best for them, and only then they don't think about the whole, the everyone. And my definition of God is all of us put together. So. That's why I feel that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I totally understand. Uh, humanity ha has just been horribly, horribly miseducated, essentially, on every level, Tony. Yeah. And the reason why human beings behave this way is because they're conditioned to behave in this way. Animals are not conditioned to behave in an inauthentic way. And so... They are themselves, right? A dog doesn't have to try to be a dog. It's a dog, right? A human being upon incarnation tries to become this ego mind identity. It tries to, it, it takes this belief, that belief, this concept, that kind, and it just creates this false character. But that's because that's the programming that exists here. If the stuff you and I are talking about right now, Tony, if this is what was taught in school, right? or on the news or on, you know, whatever, how different would people be completely different? So in that sense, in that sense, I have compassion for human beings. I have, com I have compassion for everybody. I have a special, a special feeling, a special inclination. Hum humanity has my attention. It's had my attention forever. And it's because of what we're talking about. They, they haven't reclaimed their freedom and their sovereignty. And I got news for you. It's starting to happen. Good. You know, because I, I, I have to tell you that they have my attention too. But the thing about it is that uh, right now, for me, just trying to be whole is a 100% job for me. Because even now, I, I, I feel myself slipping away sometimes into the crazy of the world. So I just have to really, you know, concentrate on me and keeping low. And whenever... I get approached by someone with that type of selfishness or I don't mean it sound harsh like that, but whenever I see that person, the way they're acting and I feel kind of attacked, I have to catch myself and realize that it's not about me. It's about them. And, and I have to, for lack of a better word, help them reset mm -hmm. you know, who they have become because they have forgotten who they are. So. You, yeah, you got it. And, you know, an easy way to remember is that if you don't want anything from anybody, then you're secure with yourself. And 
the, the, the people that are operating in a way in which they want something from someone else, that's, that's the biggest giveaway that that's the ego mind has taken over. Wow. Right. And the best, the best, the best counter or remedy for that is just what you said is to, to not allow them to take from you and just observe, just observe and let them go through all their emotions and all their machinations and their whole shtick about whatever. And then just say, well, that's one way to look at it. I appreciate it. Yeah. And then just move on. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I, I get it because, you know, if they're not ready to wake up, I guess, so to speak, uh, you're not, you can't tell them what to do. And not that you could anyways, but, um, so do you think you found your calling? Oh yeah. Or, or my calling found me. Oh yeah. Uh, for, for sure. Like I said, I came into this world and, you know, and I guess we could say detached and, and, and maybe more aware and awake, but it was really the destruction or near total destruction of my body, permanent paralysis, sepsis, diabetes, hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's autoimmune disease, pancreatitis, thyroiditis, uh, autonomic dysreflexia. I mean, I, I was told I would only live another 48 hours. And if I did live, if I did make it, I would certainly always be paralyzed from the chest down. And I have these chronic illnesses that only medication can, can take care of. Wrong. Wrong. And for anyone who wants that kind of wisdom, that kind of understanding, and the tools and the protocols to do it, get the book. Supercharged Self-Healing will teach you things that is not understood within this realm. Perfect. And I was going to ask you, for anyone wanting to uh, reach out to you for questions, or for classes or the book or anything, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, the, the website, Tony, is ascendthefrequencies.com. Uh, the YouTube channel is Ascend the Frequencies. I do a weekly show, uh, I should say, a, a, a weekly recording that I call Everyday Enlightenment, where I take questions that people send in from all over the world, and I answer that question from a, we'll say from a heightened state of awareness or heightened state of consciousness. So that's something that's on the YouTube channel once a week when you subscribe. I also have a Instagram, ascend the frequencies 12, the number one, two, 12. But the website, sign up for the newsletter, become part of the, of the community because I am constantly putting out more and more content. It's very, very useful for people. And also that way they can stay up to date on all these new courses and classes that I'm teaching. And uh, I'm going to have a new course that's going to come out this Friday, by the, well. so, by the way. So please visit the website, sign up, follow on Instagram, um, join the YouTube channel. The, the information is very, very helpful for people. Wonderful. Well, RJ, I want to thank you so much for giving me up your time and your knowledge uh, to share with everyone. Uh, because with everything I do and all the guests I talk to, I hope to find a way to heal everyone from the inside out. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Tony. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.